Hello, my rebels. I, I thought I was in a time machine. I saw an announcement from a senior judge in Ontario that he wants to basically delay trials, reduce the amount of action in the court, even by Zoom trials. And I thought, now this has got to be a year old. No, we checked. It's a new story. Really? A year into things, and they still haven't realized or figured out how to serve the public in the pandemic. Grocery workers never took a day off. I'll take you through the announcement. It makes me mad. We also interviewed Mark Morano about the new global warming summit. They got big plans. China's just laughing. That's all I had before I get to that. Let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. Just go to rebelnews.com and click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month. You get the video version, the TV version of these podcasts. Plus, you get access to Sheila Gunn Reed's show, David Menzies' show, Andrew Chapito's show, and the satisfaction of helping the rebel stay independent. Tonight, why are the courts shutting down even Zoom trials? It's April 26th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. I saw this headline just this week, not from a year ago, but uh, actually last Tuesday it said Ontario Superior Court of Justice to defer cases due to pandemic. Ontario Superior Court of Justice has directed courts to defer as many matters as possible due to the pandemic. Chief Justice Jeffrey B. Morowitz issued a notice to the profession and the public on Tuesday saying courts should reduce the number of staff, lawyers or parties required to leave their homes. Okay, it's been 14 months. Are you saying this branch of government, the highest paid branch, the highest status branch, the judges, they haven't figured out how to operate in the pandemic? I mean, grocery stores never closed. Factories never closed. Banks never closed. Pharmacies never closed. Construction sites never closed. I think that, frankly, some of the so-called COVID measures introduced by many of these companies are absurd and they're public health theater, not real medicine, but, but still, they never closed. But now, 14 months into things, the Senior Court of Ontario thinks it has to gear down because of the pandemic, really? I double-checked. I thought, no, this has got to be a year old. No. So let me show you this. There's no factual reason for this panic right now. I grabbed this from the Ontario government's official COVID stats page. I know I'm talking about Ontario, but this shows the insanity all across Canada and all around the world. Look at this. The number of hospitalizations in Ontario is pretty much stable. It bounces up and down a little bit. It's around 2,200 people. That's around four people per hospital in the province. Again, that's similar across Canada. The intensive care unit numbers are, are around one-third of that, so just over one person per hospital in intensive care. So, so what's the panic? The number of deaths is pretty steady. In fact, it's actually down significantly from January. Again, these stats are pretty similar across the country. So why are the Ontario courts being shut down now? Are they just moving online? Is that what's going on? They're doing Zoom calls? No. Morowitz says virtual hearings should also be deferred. What? Why? What's the problem with those? <laughs> I mean, just a few months ago, I don't know if you saw this, we learned that Zoom trials are so easy to do. One Ontario judge actually went to the Caribbean 
and held his trials from there via Zoom. Imagine that, you're sitting on the beach in the Caribbean, and then you just hop into your cabana, maybe you put on a robe to cover up your bathing suit, maybe you put up a fake backdrop to make it look like some dreary Toronto landscape, and you're ruling on Ontario matters from afar. That's how easy it is to do Zoom hearings, uh, but apparently that's, that's not easy enough. He says courts will focus on the most serious child protection matters, urgent family matters, critical criminal matters, and urgent commercial or economic matters. Hey, um, what's a serious child protection matter as opposed to a non-serious one? What's a critical criminal matter as opposed to a not important one? Does it depend who the victim is, if they're fancy? Of course, not a single person in our justice system, not a single person in any branch of government has been laid off during the lockdowns. Not one has lost their job while the private sector was bulldozed. So this is basically a Trudeau, you know, when he just sort of had a staycation for a year. He wants the pay, he wants the status, but he just wants less work, you know, even fewer Zoom calls, which you can do in the comfort of your own home. That's the lockdown class for you, eh? All the money, all the power, and the pandemic is just an excuse to work less. Tell it to the grocery store cashiers. So let's catch up here. First, Parliament was cancelled and then brought back in a very limited manner. Of course, journalists were limited to who could attend and who could attend press conferences. So limited Parliament, limited journalists covering Parliament. As if Parliament was making any of these laws these days, they're all done by decree by appointed bureaucrats. You know, the kind, the kind who act like they're high priests. I'm going to be very frank. There's no politician in this country that's going to disagree with their chief medical officer. Uh, they just aren't going to do it. They might as well throw a rope around their neck and jump off a bridge. They're done. I'm telling you the facts. It's very simple. I don't know why I bring all these papers. I never look at them. Well, when you give me numbers, I do. I go, oh, oh, oh. Why I said that? Did you that? <laughs> I just say whatever they write down for me. <laughs> so limit Parliament, then limit media cover par coverage of Parliament, limit travel both internationally and now within our own country, between provinces, sometimes even within provinces. Limit churches. Limit permission to leave your own house. Limit the hours to leave your own house. Which exercising is one of them. Exercising is, is not allowed. What am I allowed outside of my Limit your life. Limit everything except your limitless obedience and acceptance and compliance. No limit on police powers. No courts have struck down any meaningful lockdown rule. Today, the federal court agreed that the COVID jails at airports do indeed violate our charter rights, but they won't strike them down in any hurry. 
They won't give an injunction. That can wait, says the court. You can go through that for a few more months, said the court. Oh, and up next, Trudeau and his heritage minister, Stephen Gilboa, really his censorship minister, will introduce their law to limit what you can say and what you can hear on the internet. You're, you're trapped in your home. You're living through the internet, but now that will be limited, especially if it taunts politicians. We've seen too many examples of public officials retreating from public service due to the hateful online content targeted towards themselves or even their families. And now this from the judge. Look, if this chief judge is saying that we just plain old have too many laws and too many lawsuits, I'm all ears. Let's simplify life. Let's get rid of the red tape. Absolutely. I'm all for fewer lawyers, fewer lawsuits. But I don't think he's saying that. He's not giving up his power and his prominence. He's just saying he and his friends would like to work a little less, even by Zoom, even from the Caribbean. Because, you know, you see there's this great new Netflix show on and the lockdown class. They just need a little bit more me time, don't they? Stay with us for more. again, uh, promised about 80% or a little more than 80% of the total promises from this summit. And what that translates into is a reduction in temperature by the end of the century if Biden actually makes the next president or the next after, after that in 2030 carry through his promises. And if all the presidents for the next 70 years up till 2100 do the same, if all that happens, he will have managed to reduce global temperatures by the end of the century by 0.04 degrees centigrade. This is if you run it in the standard UN climate model. So very, very little impact. Now, remember, Biden is talking about, as you also saw with Kerry, that this will cost about half a trillion dollars a year. That's 1,500 US dollars per person in the US per year. The average person in the U.S. says they're not even willing to pay $24. There is a potential divergence here. You're not going to be able to see support for that kind of policy in the long run. That's Bjorn Lomborg. What an outstanding thinker. He's an author. Uh, he calls himself the skeptical environmentalist because he actually has environmental goals in his heart, but he sees through the BS of politicians, bureaucrats, global warmists. The left hates him because um, he, he's not a climate denier, as they call many conservatives. He's someone who's worried about the climate and the environment, but he just says, your carbon tax is not gonna work. This half a trillion dollar a year spending proposed by Joe Biden is not gonna work. Um, but that certainly won't stop Western politicians from digging in. Look at this Zoom meeting with the world's leaders. Joe Biden, the only one wearing a mask. I found that a little bit odd. He's on the right-hand side there. They weren't meeting in person, so he couldn't catch a cold uh, through his computer. By the way, he's already been vaccinated. Maybe he's heard about one of those computer viruses. I don't know. I just thought it projected... Uh, a weirdness or a lack of science or a, just a general weakness. Compare him to, well, there's China's Xi Jinping on the left. In the middle, there's Vladimir Putin. Even our own Justin Trudeau took off the mask. Listen, he knows about mugging for the cameras. He didn't need to be told twice. But Joe Biden wearing a mask as he 
accept a half trillion dollar a year charge on the U.S. economy. Joining me now via Skype from the Washington, D.C. area is our friend Mark Morano, the boss of ClimateDepot.com. Um, Mark, it's hard to believe that during the pandemic, the lockdowns, the economic disruption of the last 14 months, that anyone would seriously be talking about spending half a trillion dollars a year in the United States uh, to fight global warming, a fight that, as Bjorn Lomborg points out, has no possibility of success uh, by its own terms, and that China is just laughing at because they're not going to do anything. Yes, but and, and you're right. It makes no sense, but that's exactly where we are. And interestingly enough, you have to, under, to understand what the Biden administration is doing. Every cabinet agency is a climate agency. All the executive orders are a, a way to implement a stealth Green New Deal. Every funding decision, the transportation bill, 5% bridges and roads, the rest, all of the woke climate, uh, other types of agendas just thrown in. They are trying to implement the Green New Deal without a legislation, without a vote of Congress, because they learned the last time. It was an embarrassment two years ago. Ten years ago, it was an embarrassment when they tried to get the cap-and-trade carbon-style taxes through. They couldn't even get it through a Democratic House and Senate. They got it through the House, and it stalled in the Senate. So they're doing all this through executive order. But what's amazing is they know the negative impacts it's going to have. They know it's going to hurt poor and, and the and minorities the hardest because they're going to raise the cost of energy. But you know why they don't care? Because it's designed to do that. Because then they get to reach out and have all the subsidies and universal basic income, and they get to help them. They get more voters for life. So I think we have to look at this. This is an interesting perspective, uh, Ezra, because we can, they know this is going to have devastating effects on the very people they claim to be helping, but they don't care because those effects will justify more government intervention, which is part of the progressive plan. Create a bigger disaster, which requires even more government, which then gives you more power, more guaranteed elections, and they're right on path to do what their goal is. Yeah, climate. you know what? Um, it's, it's shocking to hear it phrased that way, but I think it's true. I mean, one of the first things that Joe Biden did was to halt the Keystone XL pipeline. That pipeline is actually already built across the border from Canada to the United States. That's almost a year ago now that it was built, but it was not finished. And so he just sees that, frees that. Uh, thousands of unionized steel workers, welders, et cetera, out of work. And he doesn't care. Um, you know, how many millions of people work in fracking all around America? That's the solution, but he wants to he would rather have those people retraining to learn how to code or, or whatever the theory is. He would rather have them helpless than earning six figures doing oil, gas, coal, fracking, whatever. It's shocking, but I think you're right on that. And that's exactly uh, the labor leader, Terrence O'Sullivan, head of the Laborers International Union, LIUNA, who was part of all these pipelines and the, and the Keystone. He came out and called it, you know, BS that the workers could be retrained. They don't really care because in their end goal of all this is to give them make work government jobs based on solar and wind panel subsidies. And that's the only way that they can survive. Some of the stats are hundreds of workers in a solar or wind uh, power environment to equal one worker from a fossil fuel plant. Mm -hmm. Some others are 67 you know, workers to equal one worker. So they're going to create a lot of jobs in solar and wind, but they're all going to be dependent on government mandate, direct subsidies, massive spending, and they're going to have short timelines and they have to be renewed. But they don't care because the more they get the public 
you know, dependent on their on their actions and more income. And that's why, you know, that's why they love lockdowns, endless lockdowns, bankruptcy economy. And it does one very important thing. Get rid of the small businesses, the mom and pa's, because they can't control them with this sort of great reset agenda. They can't get them to comply with mask mandates or lockdowns or uh, vaccine passports. And the same thing is true. So with the climate agenda and with the virus agenda, they can just crush everything down and then build back better, mm -hmm. i.e., and the socialist universal basic income, all powerful government model. And that's why climate is happening. To go back to your opening question, Ezra, climate and the virus are working hand in hand. Uh, you know, the agenda behind those two to scare us is working hand in hand to crush society as we've known it uh, as a free market system. And they are working overtime for that. Yeah, it's incredible. You know, uh, uh, Xi Jinping, the Chinese dictator, was in that Zoom call there. He doesn't smile a lot, but he must have been loving every moment of it. First, he got the West to flatten its own uh, economy because of the virus, and now he's getting them to agree to this um, economic suicide while there's no limits on, on China. Here's a, an image that it was just shocking when it came out, a New Year's Eve in Wuhan, China. The epicenter, or the ground zero, of the virus itself absolutely roaring economy, huge parties on New Year's Eve. Uh, compare China, which, you know, after a blip, you know, their economy's roaring, while we're still, we're, we're into what, the 14th, but we've already four months into 2021. Um, in Canada, I, I see that Trudeau is planning at least until 2024 for his pandemic response. I mean, I mean, that really is a shocking five-year plan, to borrow a communist word, while China's just going full tilt to, to make up lost ground. I really think that you're right. I think that this is the great reset of the Western economies, while China just laughs and, and, it, and passes everybody in the fast lane. Yeah, in fact, if you look at China, China, of course, is classified as a developing nation, along with India and many other countries in this UN climate pact. So China, yes, there was an independent analysis about a month ago now, I posted at Climate Depot, they're building on average one coal plant a month, I'm sorry, a week, one coal plant a week. And I believe they have more coal plants on their building than the entire industrial, industrialized Western nations have built. I mean, there's all the, I mean, the stats are unbelievable. They are just going full bore. They're also basically committing to nothing with the climate agenda. All they're doing is doing what analysts have said is going to happen anyway. Their economy is going to hit peak emissions and then start to stabilize as they reach peak industrialization, which essentially happens in every country that rapidly uh, has a rapidly growing economy and they and they finally reach that sustainable level where they, where they smooth out and then they'll start uh, improving their environment. But what's interesting here is the Biden administration is just lusting after China's approval. John Kerry is willing to go over there, overlook all sorts of human rights violations, just in order to get that virtue signaling agreement, knowing full well that they're not going to comply, number one, and knowing full well that it's going to benefit China. They're the ones making the solar and wind panels. They're the ones with the rare earth monopoly. They're the ones that own 90 percent of the world's cobalt. They're the ones with Chinese-owned companies in Africa with child labor and horrible environmental standards. So it, it, they're the ones that are going to benefit from A to Z on this entire agenda. But yet the United States is desperate right now mm. to get China involved in this. And by the way, uh, anytime Canada, the U.S., or Europe 
does a Green New Deal, or does a UN climate, or does carbon taxes, it does one thing. It raises global emissions, period. How? Because it offshores all of our mining, industry, energy extraction to countries that don't have the same environmental standards and they can and 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 that and they don't have democracies either. So that's what's happening here. This is just unbelievable that this is happening. And my biggest beef, of course, is Capitol Hill Republicans are quite pathetic in fighting back on this. You mentioned a couple that actually stand up and fight. There's a few Republicans, actually, that stand up and fight, but very few in Washington. Yeah, you know, that's a point I made about a decade ago in my book, Ethical Oil, the case yeah. for Canada's oil sands. Every barrel you don't make in Canada or the United States is a barrel that will be produced in Venezuela, Iran, Iraq, Nigeria, Saudi Arabia. The, they don't care about human rights, let alone the environment. So you're, you're pushing it away from the most conscientious producers to the worst producers. Yeah. It, it makes no sense. Um, but I, I think some of the folks who are advocating it are either doing so for vested reasons, like ideological reasons, or their, their friends are all in those in those eco lobbies, or some of them generally just want to take America down a peg. I see your book, Green Fraud. It's Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez on the cover. Yeah. I think she would accurately be described as a communist. And, and that's not me using it as an insult. That's me using it as a descriptor for her, her views, the nationalization of the economy, the nationalization of public health, the nationalization of carbon. Um, these are are controlling the means of production, controlling the means of life. And I think in Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's point of view and, and some advisors around Joe Biden, they don't actually believe that America should be the strongest country. I think this is all deliberate and I think it's all terrifying. It is. I mean, you know, Justin Trudeau actually was praising the Great Reset using the climate agenda. Now, if you go back, the Great Reset World Economic Forum, one of their exact phrases is the U.S. will no longer be the world's leading superpower. Mm -hmm. That's the stated goal. So all these leaders signing on to this, and we have John Kerry, we have Al Gore, we have Joe Biden, we have Trudeau, using the actual phrase Great Reset. I mean, they're not trying to hide it, although I do think the World Economic Forum has now downplayed it because they're they realize all the negative press from both. Interestingly enough, the, the, the progressive left, as many on the progressive left, people like Naomi Wolf and others who are, who are terrified of this great reset agenda. And But I think what's happening now with Joe Biden now pushing this on us, it is going to be so rapid, so fast, a complete transformation. I opened the book Green Fraud with a 2009 quote from MIT climate scientist Richard Lindzen. And in it, he says, it's hard to imagine, this is in 2009, anything better than, a, than, a, than carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, a trace essential gas, to, to come about, come up with the control of every aspect of human civilization. Well, if you fast forward just about 11 years, there is one other thing that they could actually envision to control all aspects, and that's a virus. Mm -hmm. And now, the COVID virus is where the lockdowns began and all this great reset talk began, the great reset of capitalism. Well, now, because of that, we have a situation where climate and COVID are merging together. I have two chapters in the book, Green Fraud, on that very topic. And right now, we have everyone from Greta Thunberg to John Kerry to Washington Post all talking about how climate change will make viruses worse. They're basically going to piggyback and merge the two issues. We are in for it because... We need, we need to elect people that actually have proper, willing to fight this. Uh, and, but unfortunately, most of the people in power now uh, are just weak 
uh, weak people in power who don't want to be seen as against public health or seen as against the science when it comes to climate. Yeah, we have that same problem up here in Canada. The Conservative Party is not very conservative. They recently endorsed the carbon tax ending a decade of opposition to it. It's, it's bad news. Mark, it's great to see you again. Thanks very much. One more reference to your book. It's called Green Fraud. We'll have the Amazon link underneath in case folks want to click it. I encourage you to do so. Thanks, Mark, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Ezra. I appreciate it. All right, there you have it, Mark Morano. He's the boss of ClimateDepot.com. Stay with us, Mark. Hey, welcome back to my show on Friday. Bruce writes, I'm sure the minister of censorship would be shocked if he read Rebel News' hate mail. We conservatives get so much abuse online, even so we learn to take it like grown-ups. Yeah, I mean, the internet is a place of insults and snark, especially from anonymous accounts. Um, in the case of Rebel News, we get all that and we actually get our people pushed and shoved and sometimes punched and and the police really don't uh, help us. If we were the CBC, each time our people were touched would be a national scandal. But politicians get a taunt and they want to censor the internet. Give me a break. Stephen writes, all these horrible politicians need to be removed. Yeah, but replaced with whom? With Aaron O'Toole? He hasn't opposed any of this. Loretta writes, only feeble-minded people need to censor others because they have no rational counter-arguments. Well, feeble-minded people or people who just believe, as Mao and Stalin did, the power comes out of a barrel of a gun. I mean, was it Stalin who said of the Pope, how many divisions does he have when advised that the Pope was against him? I mean, uh, the only reason why Mahatma Gandhi's um, campaign of passive resistance against the British worked is because the British were British. If you agree to take the punishments of your enemy, you better have an enemy that's gentle like the Brits. Passive resistance didn't work against Stalin or Hitler or Mao. So when you say the feeble-minded people need to censor others, that's true, but it's also true that brutal-minded, bloody-minded people censor others because it's not that they have no rational counter-arguments, they just don't want to make them. I think we're dealing with a liberal party and a liberal government that's not so much feeble-minded as bloody-minded. They just want to eliminate the last independent voices in Canada. That's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night, and keep fighting for freedom.